1988, uh, I was pastoring in Grenada um, at the Enon Baptist Church, and I received in the mail a little book that was sent to most every pastor in America. The title of the book was simply 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 1988. The author of the book was a guy named Edgar Wisnott, and he predicted that the Lord Jesus would return to earth on either September 11th, 12th, or 13th, 1988. Now, I I think I know you all well enough to know that you're biblically literate, and and I ask this question, did he? (laughs) No. There have been many other predictions since then as well by certain ones that have failed at that. People that are looking to the future and trying to make predictions about the future. Today we are honoring graduates and in particular uh, as we honor those connected to this church as well. We, uh, we have our minds set on the future. Aren't you glad that you don't know what the future holds? Now, I know there's some of us that probably wish we did know a few things about the future because we might use it for ill-gotten gain or we might use it for uh, other purposes and such. But I'm convinced that it's a great gift that God has given us to keep the future a secret. But the Bible does teach us what we need to know as we look to the future. And so this morning I want to direct your attention to the book of James chapter 4 and beginning at verse 13 and look how God addresses such in his word. James 4 verse 13, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. We pray. Father, as we've heard your word, as we've read your word, we pray this morning that your spirit would address our hearts and teach us how we should live looking to the future. Father, that you would be glorified in the lives of your children. And that, Father, that those who aren't believers, those who have never trusted Christ as Savior, that today they would see their sin and their separation from you, their death spiritually. Know that Jesus is the only way they can be made alive and made just, right in your sight. I pray that the crucified Savior and the resurrected Savior would be so exalted today 
that lost folks would look to him for eternal salvation. I pray that believers, we would go forward confident in your sovereignty, confident in your grace, confident in your love and the love that we're to have for others. Move and work in the life of this your church. May we be a forward-looking church, but acknowledging that we must trust you as we look forward. Father, we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you knew the future, if you knew that in the future you would have riches, would you not live carelessly? Maybe not. But there would be that temptation, wouldn't it? Oh, I'll go ahead and buy this because I know on January 12th, 2030, I'm going to strike it rich. There's an oil well in my backyard. You would live carelessly, dangerously, possibly, if you knew that the future held adversity for you. If you knew that you were going to be stricken with a deadly disease in 10 years, would you live in fear? Would you live heartbroken knowing that life's going to be cut short for you and your loved ones that you'll leave behind? So I ask, aren't you grateful for the gift of the future being secret, of the future being held away from our knowledge. I heard the story of a man walking down the street in a large city, and, and there was a guy on the street corner who said, Hey, buddy, come here. If you'll give me a dollar, if you'll give me a dollar, I'll tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, the gentleman walking down the street was pretty wise, and he said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you $2 if you'll tell me what happened yesterday. You see, if they can tell the future, these so-called psychics, could they not tell the past? Because they're a sham. They're not. And we would be a sham too if we thought we knew the future. God is good to keep the future secret. James deals with the issue of pride that certain believers... In the book of James, he's writing to believers. Certain believers possessed this pride of life. And they boasted about it. And so I, I want to take this. While James writes this, the Spirit inspires this in a, in a negative way. Uh, what's being said here is don't, don't, don't. I want to give it in a positive twist. I want us to see this morning these statements that as we look to the future... And in mind of our graduates, and in mind of all of us, that as we look to the future, are you future looking or do you look only to the past? I got a remedy for a good wreck going home. Just look in the rearview mirror all the way home, and you'll soon have a wreck if you go very far. That's the way a lot of people are going through life, isn't it? They're just looking in the past. Look to the future. Here's how. Here's the Bible's instructions for that. In verse 13, notice that as we look to the future, we trust God for tomorrow. I hope that's not simply an oversimplification. But as we look to the future, we trust God for tomorrow. James is citing these individuals who, who, who are saying today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such city. 
We'll spend a year there. We'll buy and sell and make a profit. Now, James, the Spirit of God is not condemning making a profit. Not condemning making plans. What he's condemning are those who leave the Lord out of those plans. So if I could for a moment address these graduates and maybe even address you. How much is God in your plans for tomorrow? Oh, don't say, well, he's everything and yet you never acknowledge him. We have a lot of professing believers that they never open the Word of God until they come on Sundays. I had a, a gentleman that was a deacon in a Baptist church that actually made the statement that he paid the pastor to read the Bible for him. It sounds like he should have been pre-Luther uh, in, in the Roman Catholicism way of life, shouldn't he? Do you acknowledge God for tomorrow? James' readers were guilty of, of indifference toward the brethren. That's, that's the first ten verses of this fourth chapter. But they were also guilty of being indifferent toward God. We're going to go work in a city and we're going to make a gain. We're going to make a profit. We're going we're to make life good. It was all of them. They had a plan, they had a place, they had a time frame, a period, they had a purpose to buy and to sell, and they had a profit that they computed that they believed would work for them. God's not opposed to your plans. Make college plans, Derek. Make, make plans for a vocation if God so leads. Make plans for a life, but make sure that you've acknowledged the Lord in those plans and that you're trusting Him. Verse 13, he says that they'll go buy and sell and make a profit. Interesting word there in the, in the, the original language is a word that means to gain or to win. Isn't that what a lot of people want in life? To win at life. And that's not always monetarily, is it? But is that always God's will? I'm so fed up with athletes. I'm fed up with fans. I'm fed up of being a fan of athletics. Where are your jerseys today if your team lost or my team loses? We wear them when they win. We point to the sky and we're, we're, we're happy then, aren't we? We want to win at life. We'll jump off the bandwagon if our team's not doing well. That's the mantra of life, that you're not successful if you don't win, if you don't have perfect health, if your body's not physically fit, you're a loser. That's the mentality. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go in such and such a city, we'll spend a year there, buy and sell, we'll work all good things, we'll win, we'll make a profit. And what the Lord says is, you've left me out. We'll, buy, we'll tear down our old barns. Remember that parable? Jesus said, what a fool. This day, it's your life, your soul is required. As you look to the future, as you look to tomorrow, trust God for that tomorrow, whether you win or lose. But the good news is that with Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter what the world calls it, whether it's winning or losing. 
The problem that they had was twofold. They carried out their lives without regard to God's will. And they planned their future without regard to God's will. You can know the will of God for your life. We don't doesn't mean that it will find written in the word of God that says tomorrow you should go to Big Star and purchase the, the lean ground beef. <laughs> that's, that's not necessarily what we're talking about. What is God's will? Number one, God's will is salvation. Have you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died in your place on the cross, who paid the debt for your sin, was buried and rose again the third day? Eternal salvation is in Him, not in the, not in the, the works that you do, not in the, uh, the, the membership that you might have. What breaks my heart is the statistic of how many graduates come through our churches, sit in our pews or the Lord's pews and go through our Bible classes and then graduate, go off to college and we never see them again. What a sad matter to not have regard to God's will for our future. Men do this. Men disregard God either consciously or unconsciously. Disregard God's will because they don't want God's will to interfere with their plans. You see, God's will will never be contrary to God's word. So a lot of people see and know the Bible says you ought to do this and that it's contrary to God's will of what they're wanting to do so they disregard the will of God. As you look to the future, trust God for tomorrow. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He makes a promise to you. What? He says, and I'll make your path straight. Well, that's the principle from Proverbs. Doesn't mean there won't be bumps along the road of life. Trust God even though the bumps may come. Trust God for tomorrow is what James is saying to the uh, readers in this fourth chapter. But then there's a second matter in verses 14 through 16. Not only we trust God for tomorrow, but as you look to the future, acknowledge your ignorance for tomorrow. Acknowledge your ignorance for tomorrow. Verse 14, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. I do believe it's a, a, a gift that God keeps the future secret in our life. How many movies have there been about uh, time machines? You know, where you could go into the future. There was one back to the future that was into the future, wasn't it? And then they'd go back. Anyway, you, you know that, that there have been just that thought has been around for years that we'd love to know the future. Well, here's what God says about it Acknowledge your ignorance about tomorrow, about the future. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. While we're thinking about education and thinking about knowledge and such for these graduates and, well, for us all. Thomas Sowell is an African-American, Harvard-educated economist. He's 90 years old this year and works through Stanford University. He's a conservative. You do well to read Thomas Sowell. But he made this 
comment. He said, it takes considerable knowledge just to realize the extent of your own ignorance. It takes considerable knowledge just to realize the extent of my own ignorance. Acknowledge your ignorance of tomorrow. We need to trust the Lord for tomorrow because we don't know about tomorrow. While all of the platitudes will be given at these commencement speeches and such, you won't hear many that will tell you that tomorrow you don't know about it. And while you may have your life by, by the uh, coattails and everything's great right now, but life is filled with difficulties. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. I graduated from high school 41 years ago. I know some of you that say, well, you're a young whippersnapper. Yeah, you're old, okay? (laughs) 41 years ago, to me, was just a blink now. I think all of it. The older you get, the faster it seems time passes, right? 41 years ago, and it seems like it was just a couple of weeks ago that I was shaking hands with my friends and rejoicing that it was over with and we were excited about tomorrow. I didn't know anything, did I? You didn't know anything about tomorrow. Acknowledge that. Here's what James says they did. First, they they had ignorance about the complexity of life. Look what he says again in verse 14. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. We don't understand life and the complexities of life. They counted on, they said, we're going to go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell. They counted on a lot working out, didn't they? This is why this is about pride that's here. The boastful pride of life. I'm going to go and I'm going to make a living. I'm going to win. And they leave God out. Not that it's wrong to make plans to to live a life and to make a living and to to, to work hard and get education. He's not saying and condemning that, but he's saying you've left God out. They were ignorant about the complexity of life. There are a lot of variables in life. What does the future hold? We don't know. I'm told that in 1967, a Senate subcommittee made this statement or this recommendation that in the future, and they they gave a year, I'll tell you when it was, but in 1967, this well educated Senate subcommittee said that men in America will be working 22 hour work weeks. 27 weeks out of the year and that they will retire by the time they are age 38. They said that was coming in the future on the road that we were on in America in 1967. And they said it would be accomplished by 1985. (laughs) That's what, 36 years ago? A long time ago. And it didn't happen. There are so many variables in life that we just don't know. That's why we must 
Trust in the Lord with all our heart. And lean not unto our own understanding. In all of our ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct our path. They were ignorant about the complexities of life. They were ignorant about the uncertainties of life. The uncertainties of life. Verse 14, what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The uncertainties. Life is filled with that. All of life is subject to the will of God. Your life and my life. Subject to the will of God. Whether you acknowledge it or not. There are certain divine decrees that God has decreed. And whether you acknowledge it or not. Your life is subject to that. God accomplish what God desires to accomplish. Who can know what curve might be thrown to your life tomorrow? They failed to comprehend the uncertainties of life. They were ignorant of that. Then they failed or they were ignorant of the brevity of life. Just a vapor, and then it vanishes away. My father worked all of his adult life from the time he was age 18, began working and driving a bread truck until he was 62, 44 years. The last 28 of those years, he worked for uh, Kerr-McGee Chemicals, very good manual labor type work, good job, good benefits and such for his family. And he worked and he worked. And at age 62, just days after his 62nd birthday, he retired. And he lived five, excuse me, he lived seven months, eight months, and then passed away. You don't know what curves may come. We should live life acknowledging our ignorance about tomorrow. In Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5, the passage that I read this morning, uh, uh, acknowledging our graduates, David said, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. The mighty warrior David could say that. How much more can you say that and I need to say that? Make me to know my end and the frailty of my days. Do you acknowledge that in your life? Do you acknowledge your ignorance about tomorrow? Do you trust God for tomorrow? Lastly, in, back in the book of James chapter 4, as you look to the future, not only trusting God for tomorrow, not only acknowledging your ignorance about tomorrow, but expedite what God wants you to do today. Look at verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. What good is James talking about here? Verse 17, knows to do good. Do good about what? What good? About acknowledging God's will for your life. The one who doesn't do it and puts it off, he says it's sin. 
I've been planning and meaning to, to preach a message on procrastination for a long time, and I just, just keep putting it off. But this is what he's speaking about here, the procrastination of life. Some of you are putting off trusting the Lord. Time and time again, the Spirit of God has convicted your heart of your lost condition. Maybe it's a church membership that makes you think you don't need to do that or it keeps you from doing it. Pride about the fact that you, you walked an aisle years ago and somebody will say you were wrong. And so you, and so you procrastinate. Some of you that are believers are procrastinating about yielding to God's will. God's will may be for you to commit to service in His church. God's will for you may be to commit to faithfulness in His church. Not just popping in when it's convenient or when you've got a calamity in life and now it's time you ought to be back in church. God's convicting you to to that. God is showing you that you ought to do that. His will is for that. Maybe it's for you to commit to giving, to tithing, to being faithful to the Lord's church. And you keep putting it off. What's the scripture say? For him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. Sin of omission is still sin committed. God help us that we might see what He wants us to do and do it today. Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart. Maybe the voice of uh, of salvation, the Lord's calling you to faith in Christ, and yet you're you're, you're saying, I, I just can't do that now. I'm, I'm so shy. We've had folks through the years that have said, you know, I'm shy. Folks, I don't know if we're doing it right or wrong as Baptists, making you come forward. Folks, if you know that you need to be saved and shyness is what's keeping you from it, talk to me. I'll stand up for you. I know others in this church that will stand up for you. Mom and dad that will walk an aisle with you if that's what's keeping you from trusting the Lord. You're more afraid of a virus than you are of trusting the Lord. Well, you can trust the Lord at home. But it glorifies him to acknowledge it. It doesn't keep you from being saved, but do it. Expedite what God wants you to do today. Jesus said in one of the parables, to whom much is given, much is required. There's a requirement in your life. He's given you much, then do it. There are areas in your life where you know that you need to do something. Then do it today. Don't put it off. Expedite it. Him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Folks, tomorrow may never come. Tomorrow may never come. Tomorrow may never come. What are you to do today? What are you to do right now? What a tragedy would be to leave this life that which you ought to do. Maybe there's something just just in a uh, familial relationship. You need to say to your spouse. You need to say to your children. You need to say to your grandchildren. Maybe it's pride that's keeping you from doing that. James is writing to these believers And this is wisdom. This is what we need in our life and in our walk. And he's telling them, trust God for tomorrow. We don't know what a day will bring. 
Acknowledge your ignorance about tomorrow. And then expedite what you ought to do today. Just do it. Just do it. That's what God's calling for today. To our graduates, we are so grateful. God has blessed you with all that He's blessed you with. Those here, those watching by Facebook, those that we don't even know. I'm grateful for that. Don't let someone force you into a mold in the future. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. If you've trusted Him as your Savior, that's your role. That's your walk. And if you know to do that and you don't, or you put it off and say, look, I've got my adult adult years that I'll walk with the Lord. I'll wait till I have a wife and kids. And too often, you'll never do it. Because you learn how easy it is to put it off. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. For his work of redemption. And on the cross of Calvary, he paid the debt for all of our sin. How we exalt him today. That he loves us and he saved us. Father, I pray this morning for that one that might never have trusted Jesus as their Savior. I pray that today they would look to Him for salvation. Father, as I've spoken from these verses today, Lord, I believe there are Christians that need, some that are graduates, some that aren't, but that need to acknowledge their ignorance about tomorrow. Stop trusting in what they think is going to happen, but but trust you and expedite what you want and what they know you want right now, today. May your spirit move in our hearts. May you open our eyes that we may see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.